We will continue uh, in the series that we started last week called Seek Discomfort. And what we're trying to do in these conversations that we started that we had last week, this week, and then we'll finish it up next week is this conversation about faith. Is that I think we always hear this word faith. If you grow up in the church or know anything about church or Christianity, it's like we hear this word faith. Let's unpack what it is. Let's try to understand what faith is so that as we continue on in our journey, both as Christians and in our relationship with God, we can kind of have an understanding of what faith is. And so last week, we tried to set the foundation uh, of what faith was. And that, if you want to go back, you can listen to the recording or you can go to Hebrews chapter 11, which is where we parked for the whole time in the very first verse in Hebrews 11, the first two verses is, is what we covered. And it says this, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that we, what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. So those were the two things we kind of broke down when it came to faith. Faith is the assurance, this confidence that what's, what we hope for is going to happen. And then the other side that we probably tend to know about faith is this conviction or a belief of things we can't see. But I think I also, and I wish I would have touched on it last week, I think there's also another side of faith that relates, I think, more to this relationship with God, and it's this 100% trust or belief in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Okay, so that's the other side I want you to make sure you understand is that faith is also 100% belief or trust in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. That's probably more when you say, like, I have faith in Jesus. I'm in this relationship. That's what that means. I believe 100% in who this guy is and what he did by dying on the cross for us. And so you got to make sure you understand these things as we continue on these next two weeks. Is like, this is the foundation we're talking about when it comes to faith. And so we're going to tap into another aspect of faith that I think we hear also a lot when it comes to this word faith in Christianity and in church is live by faith. What does that mean? And so I want to unpack here for the next few moments this idea, faith produces action. Faith produces action. And so I want you to think in your, your mind or, or back in your memories, has there ever been something that either somebody has told you or because of that person or because of what you believe, it's produced an action out of you. I know that was kind of confusing, but basically, has there ever been something that has motivated you to do something? I don't know why um, I got this in my head, but I, I don't do it part of what I'm going to share in a second. I, I still do part of the other time. It's like it's, it's a hit or miss. But uh, when I started kind of being more regular in my exercising, for some reason I got in my head, and maybe it was just stuff that I've read and come across and other people I've seen, there was two things that I felt like I had to do all the time. Number one was take brutally cold showers every day. And so I would, when I go in the shower, it would literally be like, we have one of those handles, and if you go all the way over, that's hot. Um, I would literally push it up that much. Just go like that, get in the shower, and it felt like icicles coming out of the shower head every morning. I'd take a brutally cold shower. And then the other thing is drinking a gallon of water a day. 
So I still do that. That I do every day. Um, I think I've missed since I started this six months ago, two days where I haven't drank in a gallon. Um, but it's, and so it motivated me to produce action. And, and I can remember there was a time uh, when the football season this fall, when I had not really drank any water all day and I come home and some of you have seen me carry it around this big white water jug that's a gallon jug that I carry around sometimes. I had drank probably that much out of the gallon and it's 9.30 at night. And because I'm so, um, I believe in it, I trust it so much, I think it's going to do something for me, I drank the whole thing before midnight. I sat up in my living room after Shannon went to sleep. I'm like, you know, I'm laying in bed with her until she falls asleep. I get back up and I go sit down in the living room until I can finish this whole thing. And I'm literally, I don't know if you've ever had something like this, whether it comes to drinking water or you ate too much. I'm literally pacing around the living room because I feel like I'm going to throw up. I mean, I'm like forcing this gallon down because I'm like, I have to do it and I have to get it in a day. And so I'm doing that. And um, now I don't tend to have that issue, but there are a lot of times that I'll come home um, and I'll drink an entire gallon sometime in that realm between 5 and 9 p.m. Big mistake. Because then at like 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, you got to get up 20 times to go to the bathroom. But I believe in it so much that it's like I produce the action that it motivates me to do something. And the same thing with showers. Um, probably about two months ago, I was running a fever. I, I had a fever and just kind of sickness and stuff. I still get in the shower with blistering cold water and take a shower. I'm freezing. I'm like shivering and I still get in the shower because there's something that I'm like, it, it produces the action because of how much I believe in it. And I think sometimes that's how our faith can be or the way it should be when we live by faith is because of this trust that we have in Jesus, this 100% reliance on Him and who He is and what He does and the confident assurance of things we hope for will happen and the things we can't see, it should produce action out of our lives. All these things put together, it's like because of the faith we have in Him, there should be a life that produces action out of it. And so I want to take us to a story, maybe some of you have heard it, in Mark chapter 5, and unpack it for the next few moments when it comes to this idea of faith produces action. Faith produces action. So I'll give you a second to get there, but we'll be in Mark 5, 24 through 34. And Jesus, just to set the scene for us here, Jesus has been asked by this parent to go heal his daughter because she's not doing well. And so Jesus says, okay, I'll go and I'll heal your daughter. And as he's starting to leave, this whole crowd that's been following him is following him to this place he's going, this girl's house, and he's being jammed in this crowd, which is where we'll pick up here in verse 24. And it says this, Jesus went with him, this being the father, and the crowd thronged behind him. And there was a woman in the crowd who had a hemorrhage for 12 years, or some other translations say like bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors through the years and had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she was worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd, touched him, touched the fringe of his robe, for she thought to herself, if I can touch his clothing, I will be healed. 
Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel that she had been healed. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around into the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? The disciples said to him, All this crowd is pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. And the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You have been healed. Okay, so understand, like I said, he's got this huge crowd that's following him around, and he's jam-packed in this crowd. Jesus, he's going on this way with this father to go heal this girl, and this crowd's following him. And all of a sudden, this woman catches a drift that this guy, Jesus, is coming around. And they give us a little bit of her backstory. This girl has had bleeding in her life for 12 years. I don't know what that entails. I don't know if that's bleeding all over her body, certain spots bleed. But she has an issue, a disease, where she's been bleeding for 12 years. And she's tried everything to get this to stop. She's gone to doctors. She's paid a lot of money. She's put her entire life all around the globe trying to figure out a way to be healed. I mean, can you imagine that in your own life? Try to think of something. Maybe you put yourself in the shoes of this woman, or maybe it's something else that you're trying everything you can to figure out a way to be healed. Some of you may or may not know this, but um, something kind of similar in my own life, um, I've had probably since post-college like college, really bad stomach issues. And so um, there was a while that, I would go to, I went to, I think, two or three different doctors. I took this thing that's called an upper GI, and what it does is you drink this nasty liquid that they make you drink, and they have kind of like this x-ray that they kind of see through and see if there's anything going on here. I went to um, some doctors Shannon had taken me to that she's been to, and I've been to all these different places, and I've gotten 50 million different diagnoses. Diagnosis? I don't know how you say that. Diagnoses. And some people have said, well, maybe, you, maybe you've got ulcers. I'm like, okay, that's helpful. Some people say I have, and what I have kind of taken as that is I have GERD, which is this thing is basically in a very um, simplified version, I've got bad acid reflux. So I have to take like omeprazole, Prilosec, those kind of things every day to help my stomach. And I'm not supposed to eat spicy food. There's a bad thing you need to know about me is one of my favorite foods is anything hot. The one thing I'm not supposed to eat. So if I ever meet with you on a day after I ate hot food and my stomach hurts, it's my fault, but I've done it. I love spicy food, and I'm also not supposed to eat garlic for some reason because it messes my stomach. Anyways, that's more information than you need to know. But I went all over like this woman. I'm trying to figure out, and honestly, in going to all these doctors and all these different people trying to seek a way to make my stomach feel better, I actually kind of felt the same way as this woman. I felt worse. Nobody was giving me anything to make me better. Everybody was trying to say what they thought was wrong with my stomach. Nobody had answers. It was very frustrating because it's like I'm living day to day, still dealing with this pain, and nobody has an answer. This is what this woman's dealing with. Twelve years, she's seeking an answer to her problem. You can't tell me if you're in her shoes, you're going to keep your faith. I mean, for 12 years, she's seeking a cure, and she can't find it. Actually, she hasn't even gotten better. She's gotten worse. 
I, I'm, if I'm in her shoes, there's no way I'm holding on. Jesus, you've got a plan. I know, I'll wait 12 years. I'll figure it out. I'll keep holding on. Logically, that's going to be very hard for us. It's just the reality. And how much she's probably struggled with certain things she's missed out on in life now. Because she can't maybe do certain things because of her bleeding. She can't go visit certain people. Because of her condition, she's now considered unclean in that culture. She's an outcast. Nobody wants anything to do with her. And so the image, the reputation, her identity, she's nothing in that culture for 12 years. But she holds on to that faith and catches word that there's somebody that might be able to heal her. His name is Jesus. And because of her trust or her belief in Jesus and and her assurance, how many times did she probably have that confident assurance that that I'm going to be healed because I went to this doctor? Uh, I can't imagine, you know, she shows up to this doctor and this doctor's got a different kind of way to do, um, figure out what's going on in a way to cure her. So she's like, man, I got, I, I got assurance this guy's going to cure me. And then she walks out of the office and she's like, I'm the same, I'm the same way. Nothing changed. Oh, I hear about another doctor. He does something a little different. So I'll go to him and I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll be healed after this one. And then she walks out again and again and again and nothing happens. And then she goes, but I've heard about this doctor, if you want to say, and he's been healing people all over. His name is Jesus. I'm going to hold on to the faith just a little bit longer because there might be something this guy can do. And so, as you see, because of her trust and this confident assurance of what she hopes for is going to happen, did you catch? I, I, I don't think it says in here, but there's, I read in the Passion Translation, it was verse 27. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up from behind him through the crowd and touched the fringe of the robe. I think it's in the Passion Translation I read. She fought through the crowd. She was pushing people aside when she had heard that Jesus could possibly heal her. And this is where you begin to see, because of the faith that she had, there was an action that was produced. That because of her belief in Jesus and and her confident assurance of things she hoped for were going to happen, she was moved to do something in her life. And that was go to Jesus. That was go to seek healing. That was go to the feet of the person that she thought could change her life. How many times... Do we, because of our belief in Jesus or because of the different things we've laid out in Hebrews 11, our faith produces action in our own lives? Maybe it's going to Jesus to spend time with Him. And we get in our head that it has to be this certain way. I have to sit down for a half hour and I have to read um, 47 verses in, in in a chapter and I have to write down in my journal all these different things. When's the last time you just sat down with Him and talked with Him about what's going on in your life. Maybe this faith produces the idea that because of what Jesus has done to change your life, you're going to produce action and tell other people about the faith that you have. Maybe your faith, because because of who you believe in, produces the action 
that I'm going to show up to church. I'm going to be involved in a small group. I'm going to go to events. I'm going to fill in the blank. Faith, when we really unpack it and we really begin to believe it, it should produce this action just like this woman that she says, I'm not going to give up. Even if it's been 12 years and I'm still not healed, there's a chance that one person could still heal me. And he does. She goes, she touches the back of his robe, and all of a sudden it says, immediately she was healed. It says in verse 29, immediately the bleeding stopped. Immediately. It wasn't, oh, she touched it and then she walked away and she slowly started being healed. It was the moment that she touched his robe, she was, she was healed. I mean, just take that for a second. Okay, let's relate it to this idea of Jesus. How often do we go to him seeking healing and our faith sometimes can let us down? God won't really do it. I mean, this girl put her entire life on this moment. He's either going to heal me or it's just like every other doctor. And she fights through the crowd, touches his robe, and her life is changed. I think so often in our own lives, I struggle with this. It's like we go to the Father, and whether it's healing in our own hearts or physical healing, and we're like, God, I just pray that you would heal so-and-so. I pray that you would help mend this trauma that I'm dealing with, whatever it is. And it's like, but in the back of my mind, I'm going, I don't know if I really believe he can do it. I don't really know if he really can heal that person. I don't really know. It's really bad. The situation is not good. And and we're kind of a... And she put her life on it. 100% faith saying, I'm going out on a limb to be healed. And she was. When we look at faith, man, it moves us. It should motivate us. It should change our life to go, I'm going to go to the Father. And I'm going to do things for the Father, not because of, out of, not because of obligation, but because... I'm so moved because of who He is. I mean, let's just look at our own lives. Do you ever have somebody, whether it's a best friend, maybe it's a relationship, you're in a relationship with a boyfriend, girlfriend, and, and they motivate you to do something, live a certain way because of either something they believe or they want you to do something. Shannon all the time asks me to do her favors. I hate it. She's always like, can you do me a favor? And I'm like, what, what this time? Usually it's either Diet Coke. Usually it's either, can you go warm this up for me? Can you take this out to the trash? Because we have to keep our trash in the garage or my dog will tip it over and pull all the trash out. But I'm motivated to do those things. It produces action in my life because I love her. She's changed my life and I have feelings for her. And so I don't do these things out of obligation, but I'm moved to action because of the deep love that I have for her. And the same thing should happen in our relationship with God. This faith that we have with Him is that we should be so moved by Him and who He is and what He's done for us that we live a life for Him, not because we have to, but because we want to. Faith should not be this obligation that we live our life because that's what we're supposed to do, but because of the deep relationship we have with Him, we're moved to produce action in our life. 
We're moved to tell people about Jesus. We're moved to live a life like Jesus. We're moved to rely on Jesus' power to heal the people in our lives or heal our own lives. We're moved to have people soften their hearts to be receptive to Jesus. Faith produces action. Then to kind of wrap up the rest of the story, Jesus all of a sudden felt kind of this healing power to go through him, and he goes, who touched me? I think it's very funny, and I love getting inside the mind and the scene of this. It's like, can you, can you imagine this? You got people jam-packed, shoulder to shoulder. Nobody knows who anybody is right now because they're all in this huge crowd, and Jesus is like, who touched me? Somebody touched me. And the disciples' response. I, I literally laughed when I'm reading this. The disciples um, said in verse 31, all this crowd is pressing around you. How can you ask, who touched me? He's like, it's probably Peter, because Peter's always messing up, saying something stupid. He's Jesus is like, who touched me? And Peter's probably like, um, Jesus, I don't know if you noticed, but there's about hundreds of people jam-packed around you. Everybody's touching you. I don't know who's touching me right now, but somebody's touching me, and everybody's touching everybody. How can you ask, did somebody touch me? And Jesus can't be sufficient with that answer because he knows, and so he keeps looking around. And out of fear which is very interesting to me. Out of fear, the woman that produced action because of her faith comes trembling to to Jesus once she figures out what's going on, afraid he's going to do something to her. She says in verse 33, Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at the feet and told him what she had done. Probably in our own minds, we would start to get this understanding that I'm going to be punished. I'm going to be hated. I can't. I, I, I did something without asking, and so there should be kind of this punishment. And that's not the response at all. Jesus then says to her, and I think you have to catch this because this extremely shows the heart of Jesus. His first word to her is daughter. It's not even woman. It's not unclean person. It's daughter. You're my daughter. What do you think? That you can just come to me and expect to be punished because you're seeking me? You're seeking healing? You're seeking something out of this life from me? And, and, and you think I'm going to come down with the hammer on you and be like everybody else in the culture because you're unclean and I'm clean and now you touched me and made me unclean? No, 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 no. No, it's the heart of the Father that goes, Daughter, your faith has made you well. You held on to believing in me. You held on to this confident assurance of things hoped for are going to happen. The things you cannot see and this belief in who I am and what I've done. You're holding on to that. And because you've held on to that, it's moved you to a life of action and it's made you well. Go in peace. You have been healed. I think there's so much you can see just from this one woman in that she's so moved to live a life that produces action because of her faith. I think it challenges us as we keep having these conversations about faith that our lives should be moved to action. And there's so many different ways in which we can do that. Whether it's through prayer, going to church, building that relationship with Jesus on a daily basis, telling other people about Jesus, living a life 
for Jesus. All these different things we should be motivated because of our faith in Him to live a life for Him. And I think more than anything, what you have to truly see is how much, as we talked in the last series, how much He loves you and how much He desires you in this relationship. And you'll be moved once you begin to understand that. I close with this. Um, some of you may not know, because um, I don't always share everything, but there, there was a time, Shannon knows this, it was right at the beginning of our time talking, that we um, started this thing called Socially Limitless. Socially Limitless. You go, what is this thing? So what we decided, there was this guy, um, I'll say their names because it's nothing bad. Um, some of you may know Ian Justice, but he's a good friend of mine, so Ian Justice. Um, was with me, and uh, my other buddy, I've mentioned him, but you guys have probably never met him because he doesn't go to church, but his name is Jake. So I got this guy, Jake, um, and Ian Justice. We're at my house one day. One of my favorite groups, as I've always told you on YouTube, is Yes Theory. So if you ever check them out, ever wonder, it's very similar to this. But but their whole kind of concept and, and what Yes Theory does is to put themselves in uncomfortable, or uncomfortable situations to push themselves to be better people. So they go to different countries and, or they try to ask strangers to do things or they take trips to the whatever. And so they're always trying to make themselves uncomfortable to grow as human beings. And so we started to get in our head. We're like, well, what if we decided to do something like this on YouTube? That we were going to be people that were going to solely kind of build our entire platform on making people social again. Because at the time, this was probably three years ago, um, three or four years ago when this kind of came up. And this is when smartphones, I mean, it's not like it's forever ago, but smartphones are really starting to catch their stride. And everybody was texting all the time and Snapchatting and Instagram DMing and like nobody was talking. Nobody was sitting down with each other building relationships. And we really saw this need that we wanted to build relationships again the way that they were supposed to be. And so there was months and months that we would say, we would probably use the phrase, all talk but no game. It's like we'd sit around, we'd talk about it. We'd make, we made an email account so we could create this YouTube page. And, and we were talking about all the different things we could do to film on this. But there wasn't ever any action to what our words were saying. It was just talking and talking and talking. And finally, we had had enough. Ian over here spends like, I, it was a ridiculous amount, like $500 on all this camera stuff he bought. He bought like a brand new camera, bought all the stands, and we haven't done anything. We haven't even made a video. We haven't filmed anything. And finally, I'd had enough. I believed in this thing. We had some super cool plans of some stuff we were going to do. I said, we just got to do it. So I come home one day um, from, I think I was still working at Southview at the time. It was like 3 o'clock or something, and Ian um, comes over to my house, and we drive to Lima, Ohio. And you're like, why would you go to Lima? So we had researched, and there was an old tuberculosis hospital in Lima that we were going to go see. It's not really a place you can visit. It's not um, very easy to get to, but we went all the way there. I think it's a two-and-a-half-hour drive there, something like that. So we get in the car. We drive there. Um, we show up where it tells us to go, and we're looking around, and there's nothing there. We're like, okay, so we start walking around a little bit, and we found this little driveway, walk through this little patch of woods, and come out on the other side, and there's this massive 
hospital building. Abandoned, kind of broken down in places. So we went in and we filmed the whole thing. Um, I think he still has the footage to it. We've never posted anything. Um, but that was the only thing we ever filmed. Shannon, we were talking at the time, and um, and I think we were even um, Snapchatting when I was at this place, telling her what we were doing. And so we're just kind of looking at this whole place um, and somehow got out. I'm surprised we never got arrested. The cops never got called or something, because like we had no idea if we were allowed in there or not. We just went, and we filmed it. But it took us so long just to do that one video, because I think if we're honest with ourselves, there wasn't enough motivation behind what we were doing to move us to action. And so when it comes to the faith that we have in Jesus, you have to make sure, you have to dive in and have that motivate you to produce a life of action and not be like us when we're trying to start this YouTube channel that we say we believe in, but it's not producing any action. If we truly believed in it, we would still be trying to do it today. But I think at the end of the day, we didn't really believe in it. We thought it was a cool idea, but we didn't want to put the hard work in. We didn't want to live a life that had action. But I'll tell you, when it came to the relationship that I have with Jesus in my life now, I'm going to live a life of action, I promise you, the rest of my life. Because it's something I believe in. It's changed my life. And I want to honor him. Faith produces action.